0: here this morning. We have a lot of visitors with us today. Glad that you are here. Hope that you can come back at 5 o'clock this afternoon and be with us for our Bible classes. This morning we're going to be looking at the epistle of 1 John. John uh, writing to Christians uh, in the first century, referring to them as my little children. Over and over again, I think some eight times in this text, John refers to his readers as is children, my children, my little children. Now, I, I will be the first to say right up front John was not writing the epistle to give instructions to parents about how to raise their little children. I understand that. I am saying to you that the principles that John is setting forth are absolutely principles that apply to parenting and give us instruction about attitudes that we ought to have toward our children and things that we ought to be teaching our children. In this country uh, today, uh, lots of folks are thinking about the blessing of their mothers in their lives and the role that their mothers have played in their lives. Mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers are being honored Uh, today. God honors mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers every day, but in particular, we are noting that mothers and grandmothers play a very special role in the lives of little children. And uh, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I know that these scriptures have been in your mind and heart since you were a child. In fact, your mother and your grandmother were the ones who first instilled in your mind and heart the knowledge of God and the love for God and the Word of God. This morning, we are reminded of John's affection for those that he had taught the gospel, those who were born anew into the family of God, those who begin their walk as babes in Christ, his little children, as it were, over and over in the New Testament, you see that there was a special relationship between those that taught the Word and those that were receiving the teaching of the Word. And so in Galatians chapter 6, Paul reminds those Christians of the uniqueness and uh, uh, the special quality of that relationship between the teacher and the one who is taught. John said, I have no greater joy than this. You remember that verse? It's in his third epistle. So he was constantly thinking of Christians in this way. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. So this morning what I would like to do is take just a brief period of time and go through the epistle of 1 John, and look at seven principles that John was teaching his little children. But these are principles that godly mothers and grandmothers help to establish in the hearts of their children that godly fathers and grandfathers help to establish in the hearts of their children. The, the first passage uh, that we look at in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, John said, I'm, I'm reading from the 1901 version. I think on your, on your uh, announcement sheet this morning on the bulletin, you have the English Standard Version, which is a very good translation uh, of this text. John said, My little children, these things I write unto you that you may not sin, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. I'm writing this to you, John said, so that you will not sin. I I, want to say to you, one of the first things that parents teach their children is that God wants them to obey Him. God wants them to obey. God wants all of us to obey Him. And obedience is learned, first of all, in the context of the home, in the family structure, in the family unit. That's why in Romans chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul is describing what happens to a culture when God is pushed out of the culture, when the concept of God is repudiated by the culture, Paul said, that when people arrive at a point that they do not want God, then God will give them up to their own reprobate minds. Then he begins to describe what does it look like when God lets a culture have its own way. We don't want God anymore. We don't want to believe in God we don't want to obey God. We do not want to follow God. We do not want to do the will of God. What does it look like? Well, among other things, it looks pretty nasty. Paul said, and he begins to describe what happens when the when the woman loses uh, loses the natural use of the man, and the man uses uh, loses the natural use or desire of the woman when. When when, uh, greed and covetousness uh, overtake people and and people are driven by their own lust, they're driven by their own passions, they are driven by their own appetites, and he begins to describe all that. And then right in the middle of that, I think it's in about uh, uh, about verse 30, 31, somewhere, 29, 30, 31. Where? 30. In, In about verse 30... Right in the middle of all of that, Paul said, Look, I've got it on the chart. Paul Paul said, right, Right in the middle of all of that, he said, Children who are disobedient to their parents. And it seems so out of context. He's talking about murders, he's talking about idolatry, he's talking about all kinds of sexual immorality. And then he said children who are disobedient to their parents. And what does that have to do with? It has to do with there is a void or the absence of the establishment of the principle of authority in the heart and the mind of the child. And Paul said when the child does not learn that at home, the culture pays the price for that. If a child grows up and does not understand that that he is not king, that he is not Lord, that he is not God that he's not the center of the world, not the center of the circle, and that he is not in charge. Paul said, here's what a culture looks like when they've refused to let God sit on the throne. It looks like a culture that no longer teaches children the principle of authority. It's important. And so in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2, Paul said to Timothy, in the latter times... In the latter times, uh, men are going to depart from the faith. And in the latter times, the world is going to be full of all kinds of reflections of ungodliness. Again, he mentions children disobedient to parents. That's why in the law of Moses, Moses said to the children of Israel when they were coming into the land of Canaan, look, fundamental to all of this, It's that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. The Lord our God is one God, and you shall have no other gods before me. And God said, these things that I command you this day, you should teach them diligently to your children. So the Apostle Paul would remind parents in Ephesians the 6th chapter when he was talking about God's order of things with the husband and the wife in chapter 5 beginning in about verse 23. And and then in chapter 6 and verse 1, the children and verse 4, the parents. And, and, And he's saying, children, you obey your parents in the Lord. So I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, Paul said, in the first century, that one of the telltale signs of a culture that had lost the concept of God is that parents had become so sophisticated in their own minds that they no longer believed in the wisdom or the prudence of teaching children to obey. And one of the principles that godly mothers teach their children, is the principle of obedience. It matters whether or not we obey God. Secondly, in 1 John 2 and verse 12, John said, I'm writing unto you, my little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. What do our children need to understand? A mother wants her child to understand that God must be obeyed. God wants you to obey Him. She also wants her child to understand forgiveness. The blessing that we have in Christ. It's a tremendous blessing. Do you remember in Luke, the 7th chapter, Jesus goes into the house of Simon the Pharisee. And Simon, Simon has a little bit of an attitude uh, about Jesus and about all of this. And, And though he... He is extending his hospitality in the form of offering dinner to Jesus. In many respects, his attitude toward Jesus was not reflective of who Jesus is and what Jesus has actually done for us. A sinful woman comes in. Everybody in the town knows her. They know who she is. They know what she is. And she comes in, and she begins to show her love and appreciation for Jesus. And Simon, in his heart, is puffed up as the others are. And they're saying, Well, if he knew what manner of woman she was, uh, he, he would not let, her, let that woman touch him. And he, it, surely he's not who he claims to be. Or he would understand this is, this is inappropriate. It's not right. And Jesus said, You know what your problem is, Simon? You don't understand what God has done for you. You don't understand forgiveness. This woman was forgiven, and she could not show her joy enough. Over and over, in abundance with her tears, she was expressing her gratitude, her joy. What a wonderful thing that we can be completely clean and forgiven by Christ. What a wonderful thing. My little children, I'm writing unto you, John said, because your sins are forgiven you. One of the things that godly mothers help their children understand is the wonderful blessing of forgiveness and what it means to us that God can make us perfectly clean and perfectly whole. And those blessings come to us in Jesus Christ. Then John said in verse 18, little children, it is the last hour And as you heard that the Antichrist cometh, even now have there arisen many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they all are not of us. And in verse 28... And now, my little children, abide in him, that if he shall be manifested, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. John is saying to his little children, be careful. Be careful. You you need to stay close to Christ. There are already the antichrists who have come. Those who are denying that Jesus is the Christ, they are dangerous. They're going to take you places you don't need to. You need to stay near Jesus. He's saying to his children, keep your eyes open. Be alert. Listen to what's being said. Be aware of what's going on about you. There are antichrists in the world. That is, there are those who deny God. There are those who deny Christ. You need to be sure above all things that you stay near Jesus. And if you find yourself in a situation, and if you find yourself in a relationship, and if you find yourself uh, in, in, uh, in a mode of thought that is taking you farther and farther away from God and away from Christ, turn around and come back. You need to abide in him. And if you abide in him, then when he comes, you can have boldness at his coming. Do you remember the prodigal when he was in the far country? The text says the prodigal son wasted his inheritance. He wasted his life. He wasted his resources in riotous living. But I remind you of something. That riotous living and the wasting of his life did not occur when he was near his father the Holy Spirit emphasizes to us in the words of Jesus that he went to a far country. He was separated from God. He was apart from the Lord. He was not where he should have been, where he would have been influenced and encouraged in the things that are... Godly, godly leaders, godly elders, godly Godly parents encourage their children to stay near the Lord. Being aware, being careful, being careful because the Antichrist has already come. And there are those there who would take you other places. And so he says again in chapter 3 and verse 7, My little children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he doeth righteousness. Don't let anyone lead you astray. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Christians in Corinth, reminded them that they needed to be careful. And then he said to them in some boldness, don't be deceived, that is, don't don't kid yourself about this. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter how long your parents have have known God or served the Lord or how many uh, texts from the uh, law of Moses they can quote or are or, or now how long they have been Christian. That's not the point. Paul said, "Don't kid yourself. Evil companions can corrupt good morals. They will corrupt good morals." He said, "It makes a difference." And so. Paul warned the early Christians, he warned the elders from the church at Ephesus what was going to happen in that church. He said, I know after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. What will happen? They will draw away disciples after them. One of Satan's primary objectives with the people of God is to lead them astray. Godly parents instill in the hearts of their children the importance of staying near Jesus and not allowing anyone to lead them astray. He said in verse 18, my little children, let us love not in word, neither with tongue, but in deed and in truth. John is saying to his spiritual little children, he's saying to them, look, it's not about your talk. It's important to say the right things. It's important to speak truth. It is important to express yourself well and to speak encouraging words, but he's saying you need to remember something, especially in your relationships with each other. Love is not just words. It's not just what's coming out of your mouth. It's not just talk. Love is most fully and most beautifully expressed in your life. In what you do, and not in what you merely say. Paul said, if I speak wonderful words, if I speak eloquently with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't really have love in my heart, I'm like a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that's strong enough to move mountains, but I don't really have love in my heart, that's nothing. I bestow all of my goods to give the poor. If I am the most charitable and benevolent person you've ever met, and I have not love, it profits nothing. Love suffers long. Now, Paul's going to describe what love looks like. And there's not one time when he says, Love says this. He says, Love does this. He doesn't talk about love feels like this. He says, love does this. Love is patient. It suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave unseemly. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It does not keep record of wrong. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things and love doesn't fail. And so Paul said, you need to know something. Living in love, walking in love, being a people who reflect the love of God, it's not just a matter of what you say. It's what you do. What you do matters. I want to hear you say the right things, but I want to see you do the right things. And so James reminds us of the importance of being doers of the Word and not hearers only. Godly parents help their children understand the importance of doing what's right, not just saying what's right. Let me suggest to you in the sixth point that John wanted his little children to understand this. You are of God. In fact, over and over again in this epistle, John is constantly reminding them, you need to remember who you are. Did your parents ever say that to you? Remember who you are, young man. John is saying, you need to remember who you are. You are of God, my little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God. You need to know something, young man, young lady. You need to understand something. You can do this. You can overcome this. You can be the person God has called you to be. You can live the life that God has called you to live. You you can become the person that God intends for you to be. You you don't need to be so uh, overcome and overwhelmed and consumed uh, with with Satan and Satan's uh, vices and Satan's uh, servants and Satan's activities all around. You need to be careful. You need to beware. You need to understand that they are there. But you need to know something. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do this. Ladies and gentlemen, our children need to understand. They can do this. They can be the people that God has called them to be. And godly parents instill this principle over and over in their children. We need to be careful in in making sure that we teach our children obedience and authority, uh, the consequences of disobedience so that they will come to respect obey. We need to be careful about all of that, but we need to be sure that they understand. This is doable. This is attainable. And we believe in them that they can do this because we believe in the God that dwells in them and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And finally, my little children, flee from idols. Run. Run the other way. Don't let your guard down. Not for one second. Stay focused. This is fundamental. Let he that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Paul didn't say hang around them just don't participate. He didn't say, go there and prove how strong you are. He said, run, brother. And we need to be teaching our children the importance of running, of constantly fleeing evil, of staying focused on the goal, of staying near Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I finished the course, I've kept the faith. When you're fighting a good fight, you don't let your guard down. Being faithful to the death is the idea. Being faithful to the death. My little children, my little children. John wanted His spiritual children to understand some fundamental things. I'm saying to you this morning that when we think about the awesome privilege and the tremendous responsibility that God has given to us, entrusting to us these little children, We are appreciating even more today that godly mothers are one of God's greatest gifts to children and godly grandmothers and godly fathers and godly grandfathers. And God wants us to help our children to know Jesus and to come to Jesus. And to stay near Jesus and to understand no matter what. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, we invite you to come in obedience to the gospel of Christ. If you're ready to give yourself to the Lord and discipleship this morning, you can with a penitent heart be baptized into Christ, begin your walk with him. If you're a child of God and you need to come back to the Lord this morning come back to be near Christ, to abide in Him, and to live with Him. Won't you come while we stand and sing?